Hi guys, welcome to Farmer Fridays, where I get to interview agriculturists all over West Virginia and now all over the nation um, to allow them to tell their stories. So today I'm super excited about this interview. Um, it's somebody that if you've been following me for a while, you've already heard from, but I love her story so much. And I love how passionate she is about her job. So I wanted to make sure that the new followers who are just jumping onto the Miss West Virginia uh, page and my YouTube page have the ability to also hear it too. Um, so I would like to announce that today we're talking to Casey Ganser, who is our Northern Region Planning Coordinator for the West Virginia Department of Agriculture. How are you today? Excellent. Good morning and congratulations since the last time we spoke. This is very exciting to be back and with your new title. So congratulations. Thank you so very much. It's been definitely a wild ride, um, but I'm taking it in and taking it one day at a time. And it's crazy. I'm getting requests to talk to people who, you know, live in Arizona or Nebraska and North Dakota, and it's it's all over the place now. So I'm just excited to be able to expand this and just share their stories, because, again, I'm sure people are really tired of hearing my voice all the time. Um, so let's hear your voice. Um, well, with that, uh, go ahead and tell me a little bit about yourself and your ag background. Okay, um, I cover the northern region of West Virginia for the Department of Agriculture. Um, my job was kind of born out of some of the work I had done previous to being at the department. Uh, I also serve as the vice president of the West Virginia Farmers Market Association, and I serve as our policy chair, and I really take it upon myself in that job to be a voice for our markets, our farmers, our small food producers. Um, basically, if you call the Department of Agriculture with a question, you get one of four of us. We cover the entire state, and we are kind of your guides through the process of learning to maybe sell your products. Maybe you don't even have a farm yet, and you're just considering it. We get a lot of out-of-state calls. I get people from all over the country who just call the Department of Ag and say, West Virginia looks amazing. You have affordable land. How could I farm there? So we are everything from purchasing seeds to the day you sell your products. Um, my background was in produce production for about eight years prior to going to the department. I worked for a nonprofit called Grow High Valley, which I know you've done two interviews with, which is very exciting. You're really covering all the different types of agriculture in West Virginia, <laughs> and that makes me really happy. Uh, at Grow High Valley, I started off as a farm manager, and then I ended up more in sales and aggregation kind of morphed into I spent most of my time helping other farmers and when I met our current commissioner we talked about that role and how important it was and he was just starting a business division at the department so everything kind of worked out awesome uh, prior to working in the nonprofits, I grew produce and sold at local farmers markets and had a cottage food business and now your kids are also taking that up, right? Yeah, this summer, uh, unfortunately, our road got closed for most of the summer, so they only got to do it for about a month. But we decided we get a lot of people locally that just want to see the gardens, and we're always out and about. So we set up a little farm stand on Saturday mornings, and my girls had their strawberry shortcake cash register, and they they gave the most wonderful tours. So if you bought a cucumber, you got a tour. And it was great, and we call it Two Sisters Homestead, their garden market. So it's come full circle. I'm right back to where we started, setting up a stand, selling produce. I love that. And so I did want to bring this up and I wanted to bring it up towards the end of the interview, but I, I can't hold on to it any longer. Um, in my last interview that I did with you, you said something that really I've kind of stuck with and really, I guess, 
talked about all the time. And when every time somebody's like, well, which one is your favorite Farmer Friday interview? I always bring up yours. And it's because of this line specifically, you said that growing up, you didn't have a female agriculturist to really look up to or aspire to be. So instead you became that woman. And I see that's exactly what you're doing for your daughters and what you're doing for me and for so many other women. Um, So talk to me a little bit about that. Um, So unfortunately, my grandmother passed away when I was two. And if there would have been a female agriculture person to to look up to, that's who it would have been. Uh, I didn't find out till I was about 22 years old that my grant, I found a newspaper article in a box, that my grandmother was the first female president of Farm Bureau. I had just been introduced to Farm Bureau at that time. I started doing their um, uh, speaking contest and I hadn't, I literally had no idea. And, you know, looking at now, it's still a very male dominated position throughout the state and throughout the country. Exactly. Oh my goodness. And I was already really doing a lot of speech stuff. I did speech team in high school and I was really involved in 4-H. So I was like, this could like really be a job. This could be a thing that I could do. So hopefully my girls see that. It's funny. They, we have a narrow view of the world because we're so ingrained in farming, but some of the things they've learned so young, I didn't know till I was in my mid twenties. That's amazing. But it's so cool because you were able to pass that on to so many people and just, again, be that female agriculturist that so many other women can look up to. So that's, that's amazing. And that's a really cool thing to kind of aspire to be. So thank you for that. First off, I appreciate that. It's my job. And that is why I love my job. I get to talk to groups of people. I get to just work one-on-one with farmers. It kind of goes across the board, but it's very one-to-one, even if it's a presentation for 20 people. We spend the next two hours after that class talking, you know? And that's exactly how I met you is in one of those small, tiny presentations talking about being able to sell your poultry in the state of West Virginia. Yeah, you're right. That is how we met. See, that's how it happens. (laughs) Being able to network is great. I love that. I love that so much. Um, So you and your job, you wear so many different hats, I feel like. Um, I guess, what's your favorite hat to wear? Oh, that one's tough. I really, really like helping farmers markets because I can help so many different types of businesses at one time. So, you know, my background is kind of production planning. What are you going to plant in your high tunnel and when? But as I've grown into this job, instead of being like the resource for which tomato do you like the best? Now it's very different. The questions I I get are a lot of regulatory questions. Now being this many years into it, we just know those kind of answers. Mm-hmm. So I can just answer that question without a lot of thought. And then we can dig a little deeper. Why are you curious about where you can sell this? What are you thinking about doing? Do you know that you maybe could sell poultry off farm? Do you know all these great things? So it has led to so much more than production planning. And I think that's really exciting. Like when I work with a farmer's market manager, you might be working with 30 farms and 30 businesses. So it makes it, I think, more impactful. Absolutely. And people don't quite realize, I guess, how simple it is to sell your product in the state of West Virginia. I mean, as long as you're following those rules that said, um, it's so nice and so easy. I have learned so much in the past few months. So I just got back from D.C. where I was presenting about our food laws here in West Virginia. And in the class, I was presenting with a state who just got their first version of what we call our vendor guide. And she was introducing it as, here's this new tool. 
And I thought, wow, I have taken this for granted. <laughs> I've always had a vendor guide. When I started selling at the farmer's market, I just, you know, we've always had this written guidance. It might feel a little overwhelming. We're handing you an 80 page document, but you don't need all 80 pages. We can narrow it down to what are you selling? What are you thinking about? But it's all there for you. And I'm learning that in other states, um, it's county by county, it's product by product. A lot of states have caps on how much you can sell under their cottage food laws. So $40,000, $50,000 a year is a pretty common cap. We don't cap those businesses off. That's um, crazy. Spending time learning how different it is from state to state has made me feel so lucky. So in this class in DC, I think there were four states represented and they all said, do you also sell real estate in West Virginia? They could not believe that a document that took 200 pages in another state only takes 80 in ours. So it's all, it's all about perspective. To them, the rules, regulations, and registrations, and the fees are much lower. It was mind-blowing to them that it could be as simple as one book, one set of forms, not county by county. So I'm really proud of West Virginia and where we're at with that. Absolutely. I mean, I talk all the time and commend all the time West Virginia for supporting its its small producers and its local farms and making sure that they are put first. And this is a prime example of that right there. Absolutely. What do you think what do you think is like the hardest part about, you know, wanting to sell your own product or start your own farmers market? Is there um I don't want to say a downside, but is there a challenge that you have to overcome in order to make that happen? I think in all reality, it's easier in some ways to start a farmers market versus a product that you want to get into retail. Okay. So, you know, we have a lot of exempt products that you can sell through a farmer's market without a lot of fees, a lot of registrations. Um, it's when you try to go to that next level, when you're selling out of state, or maybe you're selling wholesale and you need batch codes and safety inspections. That's when you get to another level, but we're definitely there to help guide people. The process for starting a farmer's market um, on the administrative side is really not bad. It's one single form. You can add to it as you add vendors throughout the season. I think a lot of people get hung up on, oh, that's supposed to be in March. I don't know who's going to be in my market in June. We make it very easy to just add new vendors, say, hey, this vendor has decided not to be here, and it's free to register your market. So what's so cool is once you've registered, which we have over 300 registered farmers markets in West I Virginia, I love it. We only have 55 counties. That's a pretty awesome number, right? Um, once you've done that, you are then allowed to have your vendors sell those special things that can only be sold at farmers. So that might be a salsa made in a home. They get those permits and they get their safety inspections. Um, it might be exempt poultry. It might give you an outlet to the community that you wouldn't have otherwise. So while it's challenging to get a commercial product out there, we have this kind of middle of the road stepping stone and that allows you to sell it through our registered market. And that gives you a taste of what that could be and how that could grow. And since we provide label inspections at the Department of Ag for free, you are already getting your label looked at on an FDA level, level standard. So if you're making it in a home, we have a disclaimer sentence. This is produced in an uninspected home kitchen. There may be cross-contaminant allergens, but everything else on your label is ready to go for that next step. So when, once you've done that and you're maybe coming out of a, you know, a manufacturing kitchen, you're going to remove that line and you're ready to go. And I think that's really important that we offer those steps along the way. Yeah. So 
you have a challenge, but with your help and with the Department of Ag's help, you can always overcome that. I love that. Now, going into, you mentioned something about a label and something that I love talking about all the time is something that you can smack on that label. And it's the West Virginia Grown Program. You want to go into that a little bit? Sure. Uh, That's our free branding program. And I always want to drive that home that like, there is no reason to not join a branding program that is not costing you money. There is no downside to getting your name out there. Our print directory will be available at the end of the month at the Small Farms Conference. As a member, you get in our printed directory. It's beautiful. This gives people pictures of your farm, direct contact. We add your website, your email, a bio on your business. Uh, this gets you in our market bulletin that goes over 50,000 homes per month. So where else are you going to get your business printed 50,000 times a month? I love just that. Not. And what's nice is it's done by county. The people in your local region can really highlight what they're looking for, get you on our website. But most importantly, I, this was not product placement. It was literally right there. It <laughs> lets you use the logo. And when people are looking at products on a shelf, and maybe you know a lot of our farmers markets are border counties, maybe someone is specifically looking for a West Virginia grown product and that lets it stand out. We also have now combined um, our um, heroes, uh, I'm losing the exact name of it, our our Veterans and Heroes program, Homegrown by Heroes, has a morphed logo now that is both West Virginia grown and Homegrown by Heroes. So that's really exciting. So you can find a veteran-owned West Virginia grown business very easily with that sticker. And you know what, if you're not a sticker person, that's fine too. You can use it on your website. Once you're a member of the branding program, you can use that. It can maybe be on your banners. Uh, We have one producer who has West Virginia grown tents at the farmer's market and they look absolutely beautiful and it stands out next to all that sea of white tents. And honestly, as a consumer, I, when I walk into a farmer's market, that's what I look for because I know that it's just, it's so impactful and it's so important. And I know exactly where it comes from, regardless. I mean, if I am standing in West Virginia, obviously it's going to be West Virginia grown, but that seal just gives me that added assurance that I know exactly where it came from. And it's just going to sound so weird. I know this is not true, but I think West Virginia grown products taste better than anything else. Sounds so silly, but you know, maybe I'm just a little biased. And please know it goes beyond just those food products. We have members who are flower growers. We have Mm -hmm. basket weavers, candle makers, bakers. It is so much more than just shelf-stable value-added products or produce. We now are getting a lot of meat producers. It is so exciting to see a West Virginia grown label on my meat product. Absolutely. I wouldn't have seen that 10 years ago. So that's really exciting. And we've also added a new supporters program that just rolled out about a month ago. And we're kind of talking about it in three different tiers, West Virginia grown served here. So that's our restaurants, state parks, lots of opportunity there to serve West Virginia grown products. West Virginia grown sold here. We have consignment farmers markets and stores all over the state who are featuring West Virginia grown products. And then we have West Virginia grown supported here. Those are our nonprofits, our agencies, all those people who are helping spread the word about West Virginia Grown. So I actually just picked up my packet the other day to turn in the form for the West Virginia Grown supported here. I'm trying so hard to make sure that the Miss West Virginia organization um, can become a part of this too. Because whether, 
whether I'm here or not, I mean, we're still a huge part of West Virginia and why can't we support our West Virginia farmers, um, whether that I'm, I'm the spokesperson for that time period or not. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited about it. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, I immediately, when I picked up the packet, I immediately called our executive producer and I was like, you'll never guess what I just did. <laughs> you'll never guess what we're about to get into. So she's excited. We're all excited. And more importantly, I think about it all the time because I'm ridiculous, but very, very excited. I'm right there with you. I think about it all the time too. See, that's what we're thinking about. <laughs> I just really try to spread the word. Um, I think back in the day, people really thought West Virginia Grown was focused on those like salsas and barbecue sauces, those shelf-stable products that you're used to seeing a label on. It's West Virginia Grown. It goes so far beyond that. When I started about six years ago and I was at farmer's markets, I had a lot of growers tell me they weren't eligible. And I said, oh my good, it's called West Virginia Grown. If we're not eligible, let's make sure we are. Turns out everyone was. It just really wasn't marketed that direction. So now I just really work to spread the word like just because you're a vegetable producer and maybe you don't have standardized packaging, there are still huge benefits to being part of the program. Absolutely. And I think, again, once that label is on there, then you've got more support from the people of West Virginia. So what more can our consumers in West Virginia do to help out our farmers markets? Mm. You have to realize that consuming through the farmers markets is, looks different. It looks different. It feels different. It's seasonal and it's probably not as convenient. So you have to kind of already go into it with the mindset of I'm doing this for all the other right reasons. So maybe the fact that my money is staying locally cancels out the inconvenience. Maybe the idea that this is healthier, less processed food that hasn't traveled as far, maybe that cancels out seasonality. That I really want a watermelon in May. You're gonna have to wait if you want a fresh watermelon grown here. Um, and then of course, there is a lack of just general convenience. Can you get everything at the farmer's market? Maybe not, but that's why we're seeing so many consignment and year round farmer's markets and more of a store hybrid. Right. You bushel and peck and you have the wild ramp, you have the public market, you have places like the capital market that are open year round. These stores are, you know, we always talk about everything is a hybrid now. Now you have these locations who are a hybrid of a farmer's market. And you can probably also pick up some peanut butter. And they might have some of that other stuff that you need that you might not get at a farmer's market. And they sell some more commercial products. So you're getting some things year round. They have freezers, they have coolers. So you're getting a lot more meat products and things like that. But I'll tell you, uh, I went to Putnam County for a labeling class where we're teaching marketing and labeling. And they told us, I think there were seven or eight different types of meat available at their farmer's market. To you, that is amazing. There it was is. Goat and there was quail and there was chicken and there was beef. And I mean, it just blew my mind. And lamb, all available at one farmer's market. That was unheard of 20 years ago. And I tell people all the time that when they walk into a farmer's market, don't be afraid to try new things. Right. So you might not like kale. But if it's in season, don't be afraid to try it. Look up a recipe. There's plenty of places where you can find recipes for that. Get a hold of me. I like kale, you know, just like things like that. Don't be afraid to eat seasonally. So, right. I mean, I know it might look different. You know, a lot of commercial produce fits a standard that small scale growers can't meet. And mm -hmm. that standard is usually not based on quality or taste. It was never based on taste. That's almost a guarantee. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I worked with a co-op out of Ohio. And if your yellow squash was bigger than a 50 cent piece, it was out. It was actually sent right back to you. And then you take those seconds to a local auction or a wholesaler. And, you know, those standards that we start to get used to in a grocery store are not the standard of small scale. They have the ability to weed out a huge percentage of what they're growing to have this visual quality standard. But unfortunately, a lot of times those things are harvested weeks prior to you receiving them. So your taste standard will absolutely not be there. If a tomato is harvested green and shipped, it is almost impossible for it to have the same taste. I mean, even if it's a wonderful tomato and maybe they didn't use a lot of pesticides, but just the timing of it is different. Most of our farmer's market vendors pick the morning of or the night before. That is almost impossible to get in a grocery store. Well, it is impossible. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, you're talking about tomatoes right now. My mouth is watering because I, there's nothing better than a, like a tomato sandwich in the summer. Awesome. One of my favorite foods. Everybody, I say that and people are like, what are you talking? Tomato sandwich? What? What? Sorry, my heart hurts just a little. But now again, my mouth is watering. That's all that I want right now. Uh, but I have to wait. I have to be patient. Again, eating seasonally. Eating seasonally. And you know, we have ways we're extending our seasons in West Virginia. We have hundreds and hundreds of high tunnels that are buying us maybe a month earlier or a month later. We have lots of options for season extension. And I always want to tell, like, we see this sad phenomenon by the second week of September, especially in my region, farmers market sales just tank. People get back in this back to school mode and we have the mentality that the produce season is over. It's the second week of September. My goodness, we are still in prime for another five to six weeks. In fact, I work with a lot of pharmacy programs, which is prescription produce. Yeah. So, so focused on retail and not so worried about what's trending at the moment. It's about what's healthy, what is available, what is nutrient dense. And when I looked back at the last five years, the first week of October, when most farmers markets are very, very slow, we have the absolute most variety of types of produce. We're still kind of hanging on to some of the summer produce. Our fall produce is just coming on. Our cooler crops are doing better, so they taste better. So really that peak is late September, early October. And with high tunnels, we can ride it through to mid-November. So I want to remind people, just because school is in, doesn't mean local food stops. It keeps going. And for a lot of people, it keeps going all year long. Oh my gosh. You're, you're such a wealth of knowledge. I love listening to you talk. I know this sounds so silly, but I, I love it so much. Crazy. And the other thing is too, our laws for food products were written under the idea of how can we extend a season? Like, I don't think a lot of people look at the why. So why did we start allowing canned tomatoes four years ago? So people could sell tomatoes off season. Why do we allow freeze-dried blueberries now? Freeze-dried is becoming very popular mm -hmm. because there's a way to buy a West Virginia blueberry in January. There's, there's lots of options. And, you know, when people look at it, now we have options beyond that traditional farmer's market season. We have some of these year-round stores. We have schools that are here to purchase local food. They have so much funding to do so, and they're always looking for that. And that is beyond produce. That is meat. That is dairy. That could even be shelf-table products. 
Um, we have all of our institutions who are required to buy 5% West Virginia grown. There are options beyond that season, but most importantly, because of COVID, people learned food online. People all of a sudden had an online farmer's market in West Virginia. You know, what, what is that? People got really good at getting the word out through social media. Hey, I have a ton of eggs available. You wanna see the most popular posts at the moment? Someone who has local eggs they want to sell is the most popular person on earth all of a sudden. <laughs> so there's lots of options. And I've been getting over the past month, how can I legally sell my eggs? Is that legal? You know, a lot of people get really scared. I had a guy call me the other day who used to work on my farm crew, knows me very well. And he was like, you think it's legal to sell eggs? And I said, it's more than legal. Of course it's legal. Like people get really scared that there's like, oh, a registration or there's a form. To be a small egg producer in West Virginia, it's a half a page form and it does not cost anything. That's it. Zero dollars invested, 10 minutes filling out a form, and then you get your registration back and you can show I am legally selling eggs in West Virginia. So I don't want anyone to be discouraged or you know, I have a lot of people who said, you know, oh, I've always been told you can't sell your beef. There's no way to sell your beef from home. That's a $5 freezer inspection you absolutely can find a way to sell beef from your home. And that got very popular. We all of a sudden saw that you can purchase meat in state and that's exciting. I mean, again, there's so many different opportunities for a producer in West Virginia to be able to sell whatever their product is. And you guys have made it so easy and so affordable. Um, and just like, I guess the word is uh, attainable. So yeah. attainable to make that happen. It's a very attainable goal to sell what you're trying to produce here in West Virginia. Absolutely. And I love that. And if somebody were to, they're, they're watching this podcast at home and they're thinking, wow, like maybe I should do that. How can they get a hold of you? Uh, call the Department of Agriculture. We have a great website. You call our main line. Well, they'll ask you where you're from first if you're just looking for advice. And it's kind of easier for us to work within our region or within mm -hmm. our specialty. And then we'll help you from there. So it might be as simple as, you didn't, you weren't aware of your conservation district, or you might not know that NRCS offers cost sharing for all types of farming. We might just connect you there. Uh, you might be looking into business development. We might send you to the USDA World Development. Who knows where it will take you, but we can help you get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So hopefully on my podcast link, I'll be able to um, also put the link for all of that information on it. So you just have to click it and follow it if you're interested. And if you have any more questions, um, because again, you guys are there, you guys are a great resource for the people of West Virginia, the producers for West Virginia. Um, I did want to ask a couple more, just two more questions before we, we close off today. Uh, the first one, again, you are a very strong female agriculturist. I want to touch on that so many times because it is so important. Um, but I wanted to ask, you know, what advice would you give to somebody who is a female in agriculture uh, and maybe wants to get more involved or somebody who is on the outside and is looking in and thinking, I, I'm, I'm a woman. How do I get, how do I make this happen? What advice would you give to them? Mm, I would say your opportunities for guidance and education are limitless. Um, I'm a huge supporter of Extension and Annie's project. I know we're about to start one here next month in the Northern Panhandle. It is a six part series for focused on females in agriculture. Men can absolutely come, please men don't be discouraged, but that was the original focus. 
you'll learn everything from an enterprise budget, how to use Excel. Um, we have a wonderful extension agent here, Karen Cox, the Northern Panhandle. She's doing some extra classes with it. Basic Excel use, how to plan for retirement, things that people don't always want to lump in there with agriculture. I always want to remind people who are thinking about farming. Farming is a business. Don't start thinking about it in any other direction. A hobby is great, but we're talking about business. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very, very different thing. And know that if you just Google laws and rules, that is not going to help you. It is so overwhelming. You know, you might have someone who says, I want to be a baker, and somehow they redirect themselves to the FDA food code. That is not where you want to start. <laughs> start small, think about it, but take classes that are available before you make investments. That just, you know, there's so, there's from master gardeners to Annie's projects to online courses, you know, go to your local extension office and say, hey, is there a farmer do you think that might just talk to me? And they absolutely will. Um, just know that West Virginia provides so many levels of service providers to agriculture and food businesses that you absolutely don't have to start it alone. Mm -hmm. And then there's things like, you know, your small business development coaches who are there in your region. We work with them very often with business plans and things like that. There's just a lot out there and you shouldn't have to pay much for it. It's not expensive. And most of these services do not cost. You might pay a $10 class registration to learn about poultry, but boy, is it worth it. Invest your time before you get started. Absolutely. And I mean, knowledge is power. And again, there's so many resources that are provided to people in West Virginia to make that happen. And through this podcast and through my Farmer Fridays, that's what I'm really trying to highlight, those different resources that people can utilize. So again, as a woman in ag, make sure that you're going through all the proper channels, getting all those resources and utilizing them as much as you can. Perfect. I love it. And then my last question for you is a question that I ask everybody who's on this podcast, and that's, why do you believe in the future of agriculture? I'm going to give the same answer as last time because Perfect. you have absolutely no choice but to believe in it. That is the bottom line. Without agriculture, none of us are here on so, so, so many levels. So I'm going to believe in it and I'm going to do my best to make it better. And I'm going to do my best to make sure people who are out of that chain of food understand where it's coming from. And it doesn't even just have to be food flowers it's all the things and no one no one is separate from agriculture so i believe in it because we all have to well and you are definitely doing that every single day i i can you know 100 guarantee that you are doing your absolute best because i do see the changes that you're making i see the people that you're inspiring and i absolutely love it so thank you so much for what you do same to you. Thank you for getting the word out there. You're doing exactly that. I want you to know that, that people are looking up to you now in the exact same way. And we greatly appreciate you spreading the word of West Virginia agriculture. Well, thank you. So you'll be at the Small Farms Conference, correct? I will be there on Thursday. I will be explaining how to use that vendor guide for your food business. I'll be there helping people. Perfect. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm going to make an appearance potentially, and I'm sure that I'll be at Winter Blues as well. So maybe I'll see you there. I'll see you there. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys so much for watching today's Farmer Fridays. Make sure you tune in next week to see who I get to interview. And as always, please remember to thank your farmers. <laughs>